Well, we again will be studying these words of the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. In this culture and its culture-driven ways that we live in today, it seems that within the arrogant minds of the many of the people across our nation, perhaps most of the people, they have an elevated sense of themselves and their significance to a level of importance where there's literally no one above them. Even the elected officials who serve within high positions in our government are considered by them to be subservient to them. That the only reason for those government officials to be there is to anticipate and to meet every personal need that we might have. And sadly, sadly for many people who don't really know God, it seems that they also think much the same about God. It seems that they think that God is there in heaven, standing at the ready to meet our needs when and if we call on Him. Now, perhaps the words I've just said to you seem a bit overstated for your thinking. But are they really overstated? In the very little news media that I observe, this seems to be the way that our society is moving these days. Now, as for God himself, yes, for those of us who have truly put our trust in the Lord Jesus to be our Savior and Lord, God truly has promised to stand at the ready for us, to meet our needs. And Jesus told us that. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. And yes, God is gracious beyond measure to all people. He blesses everyone on this earth in ways that they never even stop to think about. Through the common graces that we receive that are showered on us every day, God the Father blesses all people regardless of whether or not they even believe that he exists. We go into a doctor's office. And we are cured by whatever that doctor prescribes. Or we go into surgery and we're cured by that surgery. And we thank the doctor. But folks, let me assure you, that which the doctor did was part of these common graces that are showered upon all of us. That doctor doesn't ask you, do you have Christ as your Savior? He doesn't do that. Whether or not you believe in Him or even want to believe in Him... The common grace of God is showered upon you, and so you walk out of that circumstance better than you went into it. But folks, listen. Within this special prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to say, something else is being spoken about. Here we're able to see that beyond those common graces that we enjoy every day, that God the Father is showering upon us that there's another form of grace another form of grace that comes from Him. But that kind of grace, this kind of grace spoken about in this prayer, it's not available to everyone. That grace is not available to everyone. Only to those that God can call His sons and His daughters, His children. And that's why this prayer starts with the words, Our Father. Very simple thought, but that's exactly why this prayer starts with Our Father. Because we are children of His. 
Now the disciples first heard those words when they listened to the Lord Jesus praying. They heard him calling God Father. And listen, those were very strange words to the ears of those disciples and to their understanding of who God was. Let me repeat this prayer for us again that's given in Luke chapter 11. And you'll note that the order of the verses are slightly different than the one that we opened the service with today. And that's because in Matthew chapter 6 is this same prayer, but given at a different time. And so it has slightly different wording. Listen to these words, Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that he, as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone that sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now may I take a moment here and mention that over the coming weeks ahead, as we study through this prayer, I do intend to say some of my words over and over again several times. And that will be intentional because it's important to have some of these thoughts, some of these concepts about prayer to sink deeply into our understanding. And so I will repeat some of the things over the weeks ahead. And the first understanding that I would like for us to have is that in our times of prayer, there must never be simply a matter of going through a checklist. Now, you've heard that warning, I know, before. But what does your prayer time look like? Do you have a prayer time that's set aside each day? And what does your prayer time look like? Is it a checklist? God does not desire for our prayer time to be simply a checklist. Yes, with the words of this prayer that the Lord Jesus is teaching His disciples, there really are some basic points, basic important matters that need to be prayed about. Yes. But folks, more than anything else, more than anything else, our prayer must be a simple conversation between us and God, our loving Father. Let me say that again. Our prayer time must be a simple conversation between us And God, our loving Father. And all of the thoughts and all of the words that we say should simply be that. A conversation with our loving Father. And I'm confident that if you and I could have been present in those days and could have heard the Lord Jesus praying, we would have probably been surprised at how utterly simple His conversation with God, His Father was. The utter simplicity of his prayer. And yes, this answer and these instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples, they have some of those specific matters that I spoke about a moment ago that are very important. They're very needful. And they should always be at the forefront of our minds as we pray. But I do believe that the structure of the words of this prayer that we just read is intended only to be a guide. It's intended only to be a guide. And it's not to be 
a prescribed order of recitation. Yes, it's good for us to recite the Lord's Prayer each Sunday morning as we begin our service. But that's not what your prayer each day should be like. A prescribed order of recitation. These words are simply the foundational understanding that we need to keep at the forefront of our minds as we engage ourselves in an intimate conversation with our loving Father. And I do mean intimate. And may I say again that all throughout these Gospels, we're encouraged to not only have knowledge of who God is, but to also truly get to know Him personally and intimately as a son or a daughter knows their father in a very relational way. Is that the way you pray? May I make a confession to you that for the first many years of my Christian life, I was saved, yes, but I feared God the Father. The Lord Jesus was a gentle person in my mind. The Holy Spirit was a comforter. But I had this fear of God the Father. And then I read further into these scriptures, and I knew that they were telling me, just as the Lord Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That God the Father is that same gentle person. And so, at that point in my relationship with God the Father, I intentionally began to ask him to let me love him as I should love a father. And he answered that prayer. I now can say that I dearly love God the Father. Too often, as we get on our knees and we start down our checklist with our prayer, we're almost as if we are a servant that's asking a reluctant master for provisions when instead we should be talking to a father who already knows what we need and really wants to go ahead and give that to us already. Now, yes, as we've said, this one to whom we pray really is God. He is the one, the almighty God. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's holy and he's righteous and he's fully deserving of us fearing him. But listen, within the covenant relationship that we now have with the Lord Jesus, he's telling us that God the Father now desires for us to come near to him just as he, the Lord Jesus, does. That's what he's saying in this prayer. He desires for us to come near to him as the Lord Jesus does, as a childlike son would come boldly into the presence of his adoring Father. And he tells us that. He tells us in Hebrews 4, he says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. I'm reminded of a situation when I was working at French camp, when the president there and I were sitting in his office and we were talking about business, the business that was conducted on the campus there. In came his then small daughter. She was perhaps five, six years old. She didn't ask, could she come in? She came in. And she ran over to his desk, and she jumped up on his knee. And as he and I sat there and made decisions about the running of the ministry there at French camp, she was doing all of her work also there on his desk. That's a precious memory to me. And that's what God wants from you and me. 
He is our Father, our loving Father. And I want you to understand, I truly believe this. I can go and I can climb up on His knee. While He's running this world and everything in it, I can climb up on His knee and be comfortable there as He runs this world. That's our side of this prayer, this equation of prayer. Yes, we are to be respectful of Him. Yes, and we are to, in every way, hold Him in high regard. But yes, we also can come boldly into His presence, and He'll welcome us there. He wants us to give ourselves over to real humble prayer, allowing our spirits to be lifted up. And out of this religion, this religiosity that we've developed in our years of being a Christian. Too often, we have the concepts and the principles of Christianity that get in our way, and they bog us down with lifeless routines and beliefs and principles. He wants us to allow our spirits, during prayer, He wants us to allow our spirits to be transported up into that other realm where He is. Out of this lifeless routine of religiosity. He wants our spirits to be lifted up out of that, just as a true son or a true daughter would do. And that's relationship, folks. That's relationship. A relationship which you and I can open our hearts and our minds and share the most intimate of concerns and hurts and needs. The prayer that Jesus wants you and me to pray, it removes this distance that so often separates us from God. You might recall the song by Bette Midler speaking of how God is somewhere way up there. And from a distance, that's the name of the song, from a distance, he's running this world. Folks, that's all wrong. That's all wrong. She doesn't have it right. And God doesn't want us to have that distance He doesn't want us to be separated from Him. He wants us to be as close to Him as a whisper. As close to us as an embrace. Folks, do you envision yourself praying in that way? That's what God wants of you and me. Now, how do we know all this to be true? How do we know that God really loves us that much and wants to come near to us and wants the very best for us all of the time? We know it to be true because He has proven His love to us over and over and over again. But above all else, He has proven His love in that He came to this earth. God Himself came to this earth in human form and He suffered the sufferings that we should have suffered and He sacrificed Himself for us. That is love. That's proof. And as if that weren't enough, He went a step further and He gave us the the indwelling presence of His blessed Holy Spirit to live within us every moment, to comfort and to guide us through all those troublesome moments of every day. And in this matter of prayer, God's Holy Spirit is the one who actually shows us how we should pray. I mentioned at the beginning of the service that He tells us exactly how to pray. He says it's through the Holy Spirit, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to these words in Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. 
But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Folks, listen. We don't have to remember every name or every circumstance as we go through our time of prayer. If we get a name wrong or we get a circumstance wrong, it's okay. According to these words, the Holy Spirit's going to fix those prayers on the way up. Isn't that wonderful? What a treasure that we have in God. How much more convenient and uncomplicated can God make it for us? All that remains for you and me to do is for us to come to Him with a humble and broken and contrite heart. A willingness to set aside a time and to come to Him with a broken and contrite heart. A heart that admits that we cannot handle all these matters of our daily life. Not well. Not well. And that we need help. And then to pray. And as we do pray, we have the assurance that He will answer our prayers. Listen to these words from 1 John 5. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of Him. Did you note those words carefully that I just read? That whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Those words are not that we will have, but that we already have. Before we even ask, God has already given us the thing that we have prayed for. The simple truth is that God knows our needs before we even ask. But He does want us to ask. He does want us to pray. For us to have all that God promises to us, all that we have to do is to get alone with Him, often in a quiet place, then humbly allow Him to lift us up out of that idea that we have about religion, on up into a simple love relationship with Him. And it's then, it's then that all of life begins to take on a whole new meaning. Folks, that's prayer. That is what prayer is all about. And as we read these particular words here in our scripture text, we're reminded of how especially generous God is to us to help us in this journey of prayer. He knows that for you and me, it's usually not our first response to stop and pray and ask Him for help. Folks, most often we do what we shouldn't do, and that is we lean to our own understanding. Remember that warning that's given to us in Proverbs 3. says, lean not to your own understanding. That's our usual go-to first. Or we go and we ask a friend. But listen, mysteriously, that circumstance of our life is also a part of His loving provision to us. On so many of the occasions, we get frustrated because we keep trying and it doesn't work. We ask a friend and that doesn't work. And we're frustrated. And He allows those frustrations to come to intentionally draw us to Him for our solutions, for our struggles. 
And as we consider this passage of Scripture, I believe that we can assume that these disciples of the Lord Jesus, they had the same kind of daily habits that we do. They had the same kind of circumstances that we do. Different because of the time, but still very much like all of those circumstances that we go through. So we can assume that they had their own set of frustrations and struggles. Especially the struggle of trying to reconcile this new Christianity to all that they had learned in all the years past in their Jewish religion. As we said in an earlier message, in this matter of prayer, they were especially seeing and hearing a very different approach to God than they had ever heard before, especially involving intimacy and prayer both as they witnessed the Lord Jesus in his prayers and also as they had witnessed John the Baptist praying with his disciples. We know that because of the question that they asked of him. They said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So they had been watching the Lord Jesus pray and they had been watching John the Baptist pray and they knew it was different. The usual manner of prayer for the Jews was often to have a priest standing between them and God. And that priest being an intercessor and a mediator. And always at the same time, maintaining a distant separation between them and God. But these disciples knew that John had made some changes. And they could hear that the Lord Jesus had made some changes in all of that. John had been teaching his disciples to pray directly to God and to repent directly to God for the sins that they committed. And they also were accustomed to have, to have sacrifice of animals. And that wasn't being asked of by John or the Lord Jesus. To Jesus' disciples, these were strange and wonderful changes that were being made. There was an intimacy with God that was so much better than anything that they had ever known before. And they really wanted that for themselves. And so should you and I. So should you and I. Now picture for a moment all that was taking place in these words. First of all, that these disciples were standing near to Jesus as he prayed. And that was, folks, by no means an accident. That was the loving providence of God, his plan. It was God's way of drawing men into the next step of their relationship with him. You recall the words that I've quoted to us so often by the Lord Jesus where he says, no one comes to me except my Father draw them. Those men were there watching the Lord Jesus pray because they were drawn to be there at that very moment. In his great wisdom, God knew that as those men would watch the Lord Jesus pray and they could see the passion within his behavior and hear the passion within his voice that they would begin to change. And so here as he prayed Jesus intentionally, he not only allowed, he invited his disciples to observe and to hear his prayers. And yes, there were times when he would seclude himself away from the crowds. But listen, not so far that his disciples couldn't see and hear him. Jesus wanted them to see and to hear And they did. And the things that they saw and they heard caused them to want to do the same thing that he did. And that must be what takes place in your and my life. And so here, after waiting patiently for Jesus to finish praying, 
we find them asking him, Lord, won't you teach us to pray also? Won't you teach us to pray? Now, another thought on this matter of Jesus' disciples asking him to teach them to pray. At this point in their relationship with the Lord Jesus, these intimate friends, his disciples, did not yet know exactly who the Lord Jesus was. Yes, they knew that he had miraculous powers and, and that those were given to him from God, but they still didn't know. They didn't fully comprehend that Jesus was actually God himself. God in the flesh. Here, in his words, we have to notice that the Lord Jesus quickly took their attention off of John the Baptist and centered it directly on God the Father himself. God wants your and my prayers to be simply between us and him. Jesus is our intercessor, the one through whom our prayers must flow, yes. But Jesus also wants our relationship to be one-on-one, with God the Father, and He wants it to be personal and intimate. And we know that because of what we see take place just a little bit later after He died there on the cross. You'll recall those Scripture verses that tell us that as He died there on the cross, that that veil that separated us from God the Father, that veil in the temple was torn in half. It was rent in two to allow us to have direct and personal entrance into the presence of God the Father so that we could go rushing in boldly before his throne. We could have full access to God the Father. Now, folks, listen, at the risk of sounding arrogant, let me say that we now know that we also have the right to enter boldly into his presence, into his courts. And why is that so? It's because of what I mentioned a few moments ago. In our salvation, we have become sons of God, daughters of God, And we have received the inheritance that only a true son or a daughter can enjoy. Do you realize that? That when you received Jesus as your Savior, you became a true son or a daughter of God. And so, yes, you can rush into his presence boldly. Now, let me close with one instruction. It's one that I believe that God would have us to say more than once over these weeks ahead. This request that the disciples asked, Lord Jesus, teach us to pray, it arose out of both John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus, making sure that the disciples saw and heard them in their times of prayer. Let me say that again. It was because Jesus and John the Baptist made sure that the disciples saw and heard them in prayer. And God intends the same for you and me. Now, while again, yes, there are many times when we really do need to seclude ourselves away and pray privately to the Lord, it's also very important, very important for you and me to intentionally allow our loved ones to see and to hear our prayers. Men, our wives, and our children will be guided by the relationship that they see us have with our Lord. In our relationship with Him, If it is open and trusting, then theirs will be also. But if our relationship with Him is hidden and obscure, then most likely theirs will be also. As I was walking out of a restaurant in the past week or so, I noticed a father and what appeared to be his daughter, perhaps 
20 years old, sitting across a table from each other before their meal, and they held hands, and they had their eyes closed, but they weren't saying anything. They each evidently had private prayers that they were praying. That's good, but that by far is not the best. And God wants the best. Because, as I said a moment ago, when our children watch us in our relationship with God, they will often accept that for themselves. I don't know what that man was teaching his daughter in them praying privately and silently. But let me suggest that this is a better way. That our children, our wives and our children, will be guided by the relationship that they see us have with God the Father. And if our relationship with Him is quiet and obscure, then most likely theirs will be also. And that is not the best thing. We are, we are the spiritual leaders of our family. Men, we are the spiritual leaders of our families. And in one way or another, rightly or wrongly, we're going to lead our families. So then, I beseech each one of us to intentionally allow our family members to see and to hear our prayers and also to involve them personally in our prayers. If we're faithful to do that, then God will take our witness and He'll make it fruitful in their lives beyond any measure that we could hope for. Listen to these words from First John and I'll close. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked Him for. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, this relationship that we have with You, it does have mysteries in it. But You will explain those mysteries to us if we will humbly come to You. And open our hearts to you. And so we pray, Father, dear Father, loving Father, teach us to pray. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.